0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Raj Pata and I'm a minister in the United Stockport Circuit of the Methodist Church and each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape to do with the Eastern Baptist Association and also a part-time interim Cambridge chaplain for Anglia Ruskin University. So such a pleasure having you Gail with us.
1: Lovely to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for joining us on this politics in the pulpit. Uh, So politics in the pulpit, I wonder what that means to you and could you tell us a little more about yourself and whether or not you see yourself as a, a political
1: politician so um, I am a, a black British uh, woman minister Baptist minister um, of Jamaican heritage um, and there aren't that many black women um, Baptist ministers in um, the UK so it, it's interesting um, and I, I think, in in some ways, my very um, being and history that I'm part of gives me a political lens, I might mm. say, uh, just just where I sit within mm. the world. Mm. So yeah. If that answers your question, no,
0: <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it, your experience, your identity in itself brings yeah. that political lens, and I'm sure you will use it in translating the faith and interpreting the faith for a context in which we live today. So then from your context, uh, uh, Gail, what would you want us to hear as some key justice and political issues today?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, as we we are here at the moment speaking, we're very aware of what's going on in Ukraine. I I don't think we can um, move away from that. Um, And wearing my um, interim chaplain hat to Anglia Ruskin University, There are Russian and Ukrainian students um, on campus that I'm aware of. Um, And also the university has some links with a Ukrainian project um, that was set up, a medical center known as uh, Revival, um, Mm -hmm. that helps children that are suffering from the legacy issues around the Chernobyl disaster. So there's a very close link and it's very live on campus in that role. and I think also, as I've listened to some of that unfold, um, it's been interesting to hear the Ukrainian president talk about reparations. Mm. And um, you know, as someone that comes from a Caribbean heritage, um, for me, that's resonated. And, I, and I, I know there are current conversations around that. So, so for me, there's issues around war, what's laying behind it? How is the church responding, not responding? How are governments responding, not responding? Mm. And how does that resonate with some of some of the historical stuff that's still playing out? So those are the things on my mind, I, I'm also conscious that you know tomorrow is Women's uh, International Women's Day, um, yeah. and the theme is um, equality um, for a sustainable world. So 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 those are the things that are very much on my mind at the moment in terms of justice issues.
0: Yeah. So well, thanks, Gail. I think you have said it really well, and I can understand from colonial context how reparations mean so much for liberation theologies of our context and how how can as churches how do we understand this whole theology of reparation so thank you very much and we will have a conversation as we move on but each week i ask our colleagues from the joint public issues team for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we might want to keep uh, an eye on in the world today and you have rightly said we can't but speak about the context in the ukraine so we continue to remember ukraine particularly thinking this week of civilians who are trapped in besieged cities without an escape route Over the weekend putin has continued to shell escape routes and has only now said a small number of routes will be open to russia and belarus only so world leaders will meet in london this week to talk about the situation and it is also said over 1 million people are estimated to have been made refugees already because of the conflict, many fleeing to surrounding countries. And over the weekend, the Home Office said that whilst our 5,000 applications had been made, only 50 Ukrainians have been granted visas so far. And many are waiting uh, in Calais at the French-UK border. And coming home, uh, living costs are continuing to increase for many, many people. And the war in Ukraine means that Fuel prices will continue to rise also. So these increases will be felt by the poorest in our communities, driving many to seek emergency help. So we, we live in such a world where it is caught up in conflict, in violence, lack of compassion. And we see, uh, and particularly again, we are stepping, we are in the season of Lent and second Sunday in Lent, And also you have pitched and saying about the International Women's Day and how as churches can we speak about a theology of equality in our context today. So I think there is so much happening around us. So with our metaphorical newspapers open in one hand, and now let's open our Bibles today. So I wonder if there was any particular passage or a theme or a question that has jumped out for you this week that you would like us to start with.
1: Yeah, so sort of the the three texts that we're we're looking at, um, there, there's one that stands out to me more than the other, and that's the Luke reading, um, mm. and um, it has some very strong imagery that's yeah. really got my attention. So, um, you know, God as mother hen caring for chicks, and yeah. um, we have the image of fox. Yeah. In relation to Herod as leader, mm-hmm. um, we have the symbolism of Jerusalem um yeah. and, and how it's linked to the history and prophets being silent. So I think definitely Luke has the Luke reading stands out to me. Um, but there's mm-hmm. yeah, there's certainly um bits and pieces in the other the other texts as well. Mm-hmm. Um thinking of Philippians, mm-hmm. and you've got this reference to citizenship the contrast between Roman citizenship and citizenship in heaven Hmm. and then you have um you know the promise of the covenant with with Abram so we have a lot to work with this week
0: (laughs) yes Gil I mean which is good and I think we will start with the the gospel passage which is Luke chapter 13 31 to 35 and you rightly said the contrast of Jesus calling Herod as fox and then uh Saying that he is like a mother hen, I mean guarding and protecting the chicks under her under under her under his wings and her wings. So, how do we understand this passage and what is the political theology out of this text for us and for you?
1: Yeah, for, for me, um, I I think of Herod as the fox, I guess in part. Yeah. Um, and you think of the system that underpins all of that. So you've got the, the the figure of Herod. And I think sometimes there's a danger just to think of the figurehead. Mm. But there's an actual system, a process, policies that underpin a regime that is oppressive. Um, and, you know, we, we arrive at this point of Luke where, where Jesus has been challenging the status quo, um, healing, um, calling out um, some of the oppression, the injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, a thorn in Herod's side, we might say. Yeah. Um, and so, for me, that's the the context of people on the ground. What does that reality look like? We we will see some of that unfold um, later as he heads to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you're if you're a woman, if you have a disability, and so forth, your your experience on the ground is a, is a tough one. Uh, you know, poverty is massive. Um, And there is this um, sense of people being scared or silenced. Mm. Um, And you have the community that's meant to be the model model community, the the people of of Israel, um, whom are part of the individuals that are sustaining this regime Mm. um, and um, are not speaking up. um, And actually, you know, the reference to Jesus, the reference rather Jesus makes to Jerusalem stoning prophets so yeah. you know gods messengers so um that's some of the context um i i think also you've got um the image of of god as mother hen saying you know there is safety under my wings yeah. there is an opportunity to to not collude um with the ruling authorities of the day um, obviously it's complex you know there's pressure um you know, you know what the fate lay, the fate potentially um, lays for you if you go against the system, the process. Even though people may may feel it's wrong, and there's a selfish dimension. If you're benefiting from the system, why would you want to change it? So, so Jesus is sort of saying, look, you know, there is another way, um, and alludes to what's going to happen in terms of how it's going to be possible for mm-hmm. every human being. Mm. To be reconciled um, to God and live in the way that God intends. Um, but it's it's you know it's not an easy choice. And the way in which Jesus enables that mm. um, you know, will unfold more and more. So, mm. so that's some of the context that I'm I'm working with in my mind.
0: Mm. No, I mean profound. Uh, thanks for those thoughts, Gil. I mean, this week I have written on this text for the Political Theology Network. Uh And as I reflected on this text, I wrote about the politics of swearing and how Jesus was bold and courageous in calling Herod, as you said, not just the figurehead, but the whole structure and the the unjust systems and was bold in calling Herod Fox. I mean, that was the the F word for then. I mean, as as I read and as I wrote it. So I was thinking, how do we nurture this righteous anger? against injustices around us as part of our spirituality.
1: And, and I think it's partly understanding, I mean, the kind of phrase that comes to mind is, God has, um, you know, the fox's number mm. um, and do we have the fox's number? This sense mm. of, do we understand, can, can we recognize the fox? And do we know how to handle the fox? Those are some of, some of the things come to my mind. Um, And we we think about how foxes work. Why the choice of the, you know, of fox? We know that they can be very destructive and they can be very cunning in the way in which they operate. Um, So it's interesting, you know, Jesus's response is one about continuing to call out, to heal, et cetera. If we think about some of the the verses that have gone before, um, you know, healing on the sabbath you know how dare he and um, so really uh, confronting um but i but I, but i think part of it is is about a consciousness um you know if you can't help but think about our current context um mm-hmm. where we have references to to leaders that seem to be very being very destructive right now we can see some of it playing out um, mm-hmm and we say well, well well how have we arrived at this position where someone can be you know being this destructive and mm-hmm. it's a whole system and policies that um have enabled um leaders to operate in this way and i think mm-hmm. one of the challenges is is people recognizing systemic inequality and injustice and i and I, I think for me that's the starting point i still think a lot of christians a lot of people in churches on the ground still haven't recognized systemic inequality. So people will be looking at what's unfolding in the world at the moment, and they will be thinking about a particular figure, a figurehead, Mm. Mm. and saying it's a bad person, not really thinking about the system and processes that put them in place. You know, Mm. um, how and why have they been chosen? We have lots of leaders in our world at the moment Mm. um, who in recent years, or recent months even, have been showing qualities that are anything but we would want in terms of trying to establish lasting peace. But individuals have voted for them, um, even when they've had other choices. So for me, there's a level of conscientizing that needs to take place. Um, And within our, our, our church context on the ground, it's how are we relating? I guess this is, this is the point of politics in, in the pulpit. How are we relating current affairs with scripture? And yeah. um, we have a massive opportunity um, in this reading, the Luke's Gospel for me in particular, with the imagery of the mother hen and uh, the fox to, to mm. make some of the connections. Um, mm. So for me, that's that's where it is. It's 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 helping people have the tools to connect. God, what is God saying in our current world through the scripture that we're reading today?
0: Yeah, mm. no, which is which is really right, uh, uh, Gail, as you say. I mean, as again, I was thinking, why did Jesus pick this image of fox? And as I read in the rabbinic literature, uh, the the contrast was fox and a lion. Yeah, the will ferocious and powerful. So Jesus was, in a way, trying to discount uh, and saying that this is a weak leader. He wasn't so as a fox. And also there is this this purity and pollution and fox at that time with the blood in in the mouth with killing innocent uh, uh, animals. So in a way he's saying there is blood in the hands of Herod for beheading John or for for the various, whoever is opposing uh, him and his policies are being put to prison. So Jesus was expressing that righteous anger when he was calling fox, but as you said, the, on the other hand, the the comfort, the gospel of this passage is that Jesus Himself is offering to be the mother hen,
1: and we know how fierce mother hens are in protecting their chicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and therefore that the covering that we have um, should give us the courage to be able to to to, to move towards um, the the challenge. So as you say, Jesus is saying, you know, the fox is no match. Um, you know, you have uh, the protection, the covering to enable you um, to, to stand up. And then he, of course, um, as we think of the context of this, week, is on his way to Jerusalem. So mm. it's this sense King Herod doesn't have to come um, mm. to, to Jesus. Jesus is going to him. He's he's fronting him. He's saying, look,
0: here, yeah. here
1: I am. And then you look at the way things then play out in terms of um, the, the, the willingness to to, to, to die, lay down life, um, and again, you cannot help but think about current situations, That the courage that is needed to, yeah. to stand up in the, the face of um, uh, oppressive, um, you know, uh, regimes and policies, mm. um, and as Christians, as church, we should have the courage uh, to do so.
0: Yeah, you're right, I, you're rightly said, and I think I really wish if all our churches can stand up, and denounce the unjust, systemic, oppressive forces, calling them foxes or calling them, I mean, expressing that righteous anger. And as churches, if we can be thus like the mother hen. And I really like that, that imagery of a mother hen under the under her wings trying to offer that comfort and protection. And I, you have rightly said the call is for us as churches and as Christians, are we able to stand up and be like a mother hen in, in in situations of oppression, discrimination, and and if, yeah. and if
1: we think if we think about using that image again, um, part of the role of the church is to, in part, be the the hands, the feet, um, to enable God's mission. If we think of God as being mother hen, how are we playing our role to ensure people are cared for, protected mm. on the ground, um, and and as church, that's that's a massive privilege and responsibility that we have.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, we have a huge responsibility, and we are also thankful to the Mother God. God comes to us in this in this form of a mother hand, which we really need to remind. Uh, be reminding our listeners this week to emphasize from our pulpits uh, how God offers to be in Jesus, a mother hand. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, I mean, that takes us to the the epistle reading from the I mean Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And as you have already said, Paul was writing about uh, the citizenship. I mean, or the commonwealth in some other translations. So how how did you understand the citizenship in heaven? Because there are many, many people who understood or misread this text saying, see, we don't need to care where you are. Our citizenships are in some other world. So let's yeah. be more worried about that rather than... And therefore, all kinds of... Uh, disturbances in terms of citizenship in our times and in our own localities so how what is your take on this text so certainly um,
1: you think of um, the, the Roman rule the empire the way it was people um, geographically may have been quite distant from um, you know the emperor where where the, the ruler was but yet they had a connection. Um and i and I guess there's some synergy there as you think of everyday life now, and you think of a heavenly life, there is some distance and so we you know we hope that we have many years to live here on earth, but there's some some sense of distance um but yet there's still a connection so for me, that's one of the things there's 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 some distance, but there's some connection mm. there's also the sense of even though the the Roman sort of emperor ruler being so distant from the people um they awaited uh, and, and sought his welcome, um, uh, or, or sought to welcome him, um, mm. with great eager an eagerness. Now, for 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 Christians, in terms of a, a heavenly citizenship, in terms of um, you know the, the coming kingdom, we have an eagerness for that too. Um, mm. But there is this sense of the citizenship um, being continuous. So we have. Um, this concept of an eternal life that starts now it isn't that we um you know eternal life starts when we go to heaven yeah. we have a, a sense of this citizenship being present now and the yeah. sense of seeking to bring forth helping to bring forth the kingdom ushering in as we, we pray in the lord's prayer um you know um the sense of heaven here on earth so so there's an active uh, nature of our citizenship. Um, which is actually quite powerful, Um, Mm. and as, as again, it's it's equally this this sense of privilege and challenge and responsibility going side by side. Um, Mm. But Jesus is by no means saying, um, you know, wait, do nothing. Mm. Um, There is, and, and, you know, Jesus models himself through the very ministry here on earth that he does, which Mm. is about dismantling um, powers, structures, systems, calling it out. Um, so it's a very active citizenship that is, is about life in the here and now, as well as life to, to come. Um, and it's, again, if we contrast the two, there is um, the transformation that's referenced um, in yeah. our, our bodies, our lives, um, that is uh, taking place now and, you know, ultimately, we talk about transformed bodies in terms of resurrection bodies as well. so. So yeah, there's there's huge difference in terms of um, who you're following um, and uh, what that looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Gil. I think you're you're rightly saying that citizenship is here from here on. I mean, rather than it is something in in otherworldly terms. I mean, Paul here was also emphatic, as I was saying, about this politics of swearing. I mean, he says for people who are enemies to the cross, in verse i mean chapter chapter 3 verse 19 he says their end is destruction their god is the belly and their glory is in their shame their minds are set on earthly things so how, how do we how do we translate this passage when paul is saying those who are distant from cross uh yeah. yeah
1: so this i mean it is very challenging because you know he's referring to all about this this self indulgence where people yeah. are not willing to to sacrifice, to to take up their cross, we might say, mm-hmm. um, and actually, it is about um, not simply being focused on self, but actually getting in the way of um, the work that um, Christ, the Church, is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, the phrase "enemy of the cross." It's 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 damaging. I mean, you know, the, the verses that precede this um, this this reading talk about a kind of legalism. Where there is um, trying to, to, to um, say there's only one way and, and certain ways of doing things and not thinking about the essence, the heart of, of what Christ is talking about. We then move to the other end where we've got our focus now, which is people saying that, you know, actually, um, you know, God's plans for for humanity, for for the way in which we're supposed to, to live, to, to care for one another doesn't matter. It's all about self. And it's incredibly destructive because, in in some ways, they um, are are blunting um, the the very nature of um, what Christ was seeking to do. So it is um, it's it's the it's 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 pacifying almost um, what it means to be a Christian. It's taking away the very power of what it means to walk the way of Christ. Again, um, I can't I can't help but go back to Luke, but that sense of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, heading towards yeah. um, Herod, the, the, the fox. Um, and, and here we have individuals who are more concerned about their own comfort, mm. um, their own needs, mm. and not concerned about um, you know, God's plans for, for humanity, um, mm. for helping to bring forth heaven um, on earth. So it's deadly. It is. I think it's one of the one of the most um deadly things to christianity in in our all the church in our world today um because it means that we allow that the systems the powers the structures to continue to oppress mm. um and you know that is <laughs> the complete opposite to what christ was about and the christ that we are supposed to follow um we are we're sanitizing we're pacifying um uh some of the righteous anger that you've mentioned uh, in terms of um what was the heart or was and is at the heart of the gospel message what Christ stood for
0: mm-hmm. you're right I mean most of us are comf- i mean self-indulgent and comfortable and we think following Christ is all about such comforts and prosperity and things like that and when we read it Paul is trying to Paul is writing to the church and at Philippi and If I read it again, verse 18 in chapter 3, for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I mean, we think the enemies of the cross of Christ are outside of the church. But Paul is writing to people who who are following Christ because it is easy for us to, to be on that comfort zone and comfort sites. But Jesus is, I mean, Paul is inviting us. There are many crucified communities around us. And what is our role and responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ? Are we denying ourselves, taking up the cross and following Christ? And if you are not, I think Paul's words come strongly to all of us. Are we living as enemies to the cross of Christ in our times today?
1: It's, I I say, it's very, very challenging to to hear those words. Um, And, you know, it it, it, it comes down to our Christology in terms of... um, how are we um, shaping the Christ that we say that we're following and have we misshaped the Christ so much that actually in essence, we are not following the very, very Christ we think we are. I mean, you know, sometimes we look around at the behavior of people that, you know, identify as Christian both historically and um, currently, and you can't help, but, but think to yourself, um, I don't know who it is. um, They think they're following, but it, Bears no resemblance of the Christ that I read about in the gospel accounts. Yeah. Um, and it's very easy for us to, to slip into that mode if we're not careful. And I and I and, and that's why I go back to, I think one of the biggest challenges we have in our world today is where we don't uh, acknowledge and recognize um, mm. the, the powers, the systems, the structures, the politics that shape all of this. Um, you know, there's we, we've spoken earlier about um, Christ referring to Jerusalem. I mean, do we hear, you know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, back to the gospel reading. Mm-hmm. Um, the very people that are supposed to be uh, the model community to help show others the way um, are the ones that are shooting down the messengers. Yeah. And so we have to ask ourselves today um, in, in this context, as you have said, are um, the very, some of the very people that are identifying as Christians actually part of the problem? I mean, how many people do we come across who say, you know, I like this Jesus? You know, yeah. who don't identify as Christian, I like this Jesus. But actually, their real challenge is the church. The people that they see as identifying as Christians um, are the very barrier to yeah. people coming to Christ. And, and maybe this reading of Philippians gets to the heart of that mm. where Christians for the church fail to take up our cross. Um, we, we are indeed, uh, in danger of becoming the enemy mm. of, um, the cross. Of the cross.
0: Mm. No, yeah. You, you've said it rightly, uh, Gail. And I think this week, those who are engaging, uh, with the text and will be speaking from the pulpits, I'm sure they will take note of this, that, uh, if, if I mean, for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And when he goes on to say there for them, destruction, shame, and go- bellies, their gods, and so on and so forth. I think that righteous anger needs to come up to say, to, to give an opportunity to introspect. How are we able to relate with the crucified communities around us? Are we able to see the crucified Christ in our own localities? And how are we uh, building that communities of solidarity and fellowship? is a challenge for all of us as we read these passages so that then takes us to the old testament reading gail and as you have initially said about this is the covenant made to Abraham. so what are your thoughts
1: i find it interesting um the the ceremony that's referred to um of of that 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 moment how um uh god's promises uh, covenant was was made um involving the various animals and i think one of the things that was really interesting as i i, I read was um the carcasses um how again depending on what translation you're reading that the vultures that yeah. abraham has to kind of um fend off as he waits for god and i and i found that really interesting as i thought about um some of the the challenges in uh today's society as christians um we talk about walking the way of christ Mm -hmm. um we talk about speaking up having the courage to speak up um but the the challenge is as we do that as we um seek to to wait on god sometimes to, to to um act in situations uh there's a role for us to be active in it it's interesting isn't it so it wasn't it's not abram just abram as he was then just yeah. sitting there doing nothing he has to be active mm. so, so for me again i i found myself connecting to the to the, the philippians reading that we've just looked at this 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 idea of citizenship mm. in, um citizenship of heaven um versus the the roman citizenship again this activeness as we wait on god mm-hmm. um so for me that's um part of what what stood out i mean of course what's that story is settled within a wider context of um you know god saying um that people are going to suffer 400 years of slavery so it is <laughs> Again, it's not an easy text that we have this week um, where we think of some of the suffering and people are going to be displaced as land changes hands. Um, so it's messy. It's horrible. Um, but we also hear that God um, is is with Abram and there's a, a level of protection and promise within it. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, again, as I say, quite a tough text.
0: It is, it is, uh, Gail. I mean, and I, you have rightly said, again, people have eulogized or triumphalized this text and, and said about the stars and how things are going to be as his generation. But as you said, I mean, God it is God's covenant. God who makes covenants on God's terms not on people's terms or our terms. And secondly, I like the way you said the, the it's not the passiveness of Abraham but the way he had to, what do you call uh, draw the vultures away. And I think to see that God's activity to happen, we need to be waiting. We, we need to really wait and see that the vultures are not coming and taking off uh, uh, the promise or whatever. I mean, at that point, the sacrifices. But, but that is a call. And I, as I hear from you, the, the challenge for us is not to just triumphalize that this covenant that is going to be a, a huge nation. But it is also important to see the particularities of the covenant how there is suffering coming up. But in all of this, there is there is a role that Abraham has to play. And I think as churches this week, again, those of us who will be concentrating on this text, the call for us is to see what is that as churches, can we be active? How can we be active in God's covenant? How can we be active in and work with God in transforming our world and in transforming our society?
1: Yeah. 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 And, and i think that the three texts come together really quite well i think um that the, the contrast the connections between them um it's it's rich rich we have so much richness yes. to work with and um, for sermons in this 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 coming week
0: mm-hmm. so uh, th- thank you very much gail so it, to summarize all of this for our listeners if they want to do a three points from the three texts what would be your take i mean what would be your three three things that you think the the preachers this week should emphasize?
1: From the Luke text, I think um, for me, it's it's definitely around um, God having the fox's number and have we. um, From um, the Genesis text, um, and to some degree, the Philippians one as well, about being active, um, active citizens as we, we wait on God. And um, as we seek to join in with God's God's mission, um, mm. which, um, as I say, we we can see in, in many different ways hearing and protecting and reconciling the to God. Mm. So, yeah. I,
0: I'm sure our listeners will take note of this and will speak about this active citizenship. The I mean, God God having the number of the fox and do we and do we have that righteous anger? And I'm sure. It will be helpful for our congregations to engage with the politics in our times today. And each week we we receive a question for from our listeners, Gail. And this week the question that we received is, uh, in it feels like this week's reading from Genesis and from Philippians have something to say about us, say to us about believing in the unbelievable in difficult times. So they show us that people had to trust in God even when it seemed very difficult. So, what might this have to say to us today in the context of a world at war?
1: The plan for God is to reconcile all people, mm-hmm. uh, all things, even the fox like leaders, the destructive ones. Um, and we need to be hopeful, remain hopeful that lives can and be transformed. And there's interestingly, if I can say, there's a book that came to mind, and it might be an unlikely choice of book for people to think of. But the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse by Charlie Mackesy um, that um, has been on social media, the images, the words for the last couple of years, Um, the unusual relationships between those creatures, the the, the encounter between the the mole and the fox and how the fox says he's going to eat the mole, um, but the mole still releases the fox. reminds me of um, the the challenge to love our enemy that that Christ lays out. Um, And we know in history, sometimes um, leaders can and regimes can be transformed. If we think back to things like 1993, the Nobel Peace Prize being shared between President de Klerk and Nelson Mandela. um, De Klerk who had maintained the regime, then being part of the dismantling. By no means is that story perfect, but it no. shows how lives, systems can be transformed, and it reminds us um, that our call as Christians, again, as we think of Saul who became Paul, is to remain hopeful and trust in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I think that that book, um, whilst fictional, maybe helps us cut through some of the cynicism. Um, that we might develop as we see what's unfolding in the world mm. and um, just recognize what's possible um, through the power of the Holy Spirit if we genuinely seek to take a back cross and follow Christ.
0: Mm. I mean, brilliant, uh, Kale. I think you, you have said it so well that God is capable of transforming people like who are foxes and God is, God is capable of reconciling everyone and anyone and that is our hope and our prayer. And we pray that people who are making decisions and people, those who are in powers can really be reconciled and transformed. And we will all together work towards that, uh, transforming a world where peace and justice will be a reality.
1: Indeed, as long as we have the fox's number, we understand how cunning they can be, spot spotting- them and have their number not be naive
0: no no certainly yes yes but but that's the gospel as i hear from you is that god is capable of reconciling everyone and anyone including foxes so so may god grant god strength and uh, thank you very much gail for coming on and for sharing your wisdom and reflections with us today and thank you for the rest of us who are joining us to ask uh your questions so please feel free to share this episode if you have enjoyed the politics in the pulpit and please leave us a review whether you listen to your podcast or share this episode with your friends and as i said our listeners have been passionate and knowledgeable and they have always been contributing uh, so we want we would love to build a community of mutual learning and encouragement around the podcast so the best place to join on this conversation is on twitter which is pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues team's Facebook page and their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. So once again, many thanks, Gail, for uh, your wisdom and for the challenge uh, and God's blessings for you and for your ministry in the days to come. So each week uh, we leave uh, a question from the readings for people to engage and have a conversation and please let us know your thoughts and this week my question for our listeners is what does citizenship in heaven mean for us and what are our implications for our citizenship today and how do we understand this verse where people who are stateless and have been refugees and have been crossing the borders allow me to repeat my question. What does citizenship in heaven mean for us today? What are our implications for our citizenship today? And what does it mean to people who are crossing the borders, who have become refugees and have been stateless in a world today? So please uh, send in your thoughts uh, on Twitter, on our Facebook. Uh, before we end, our listeners, maybe, as you have been saying week after week, the JPITS 2022 conference, from the Ground Up, Unearthing Hope and Seeking Justice are available now, uh, which is on the 11th of June. And you can book your tickets on the jointpublicissues.org.uk slash conference. And I really encourage you, if you haven't booked your tickets, please do it soon. Uh, and we really look forward to all of us joining uh, in listening to uh, some profound and challenging talks and conversations at this conference. So shall we end this week with a with a prayer praying for the world around us and especially remembering people in Ukraine let us pray loving god we pray for people of ukraine for all those suffering or afraid that you will be close to them and as a mother hand protect them o lord we pray for world leaders for knowledge for compassion for strength for wisdom to guide their choices. We pray for the world that in this moment of crisis, we may reach out in solidarity to our brothers and sisters in need. May we walk in your ways so that peace and justice become a reality for the people of Ukraine and for all the countries and people in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.